Hello and welcome to this week's Next Sense Institute podcast. My name is Trudy Smith and I am your host for today. Really looking forward to this conversation with Dr. Frances Gentle, who is both my friend and my colleague. And so that everyone else gets to know you, Fran, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, Trudy. And it's very exciting to be the 99th person to participate in your podcast. And I love it. So, yes, so I'm working at Nexus Institute, which is affiliated with Macquarie University. Um, I'm getting a little bit long in the tooth, as they say, and I've been in the field of disability since um, the beginning of the 1990s, when I graduated from um, Macquarie University with a Bachelor of Special Ed. Um, so I've worked in the field of disability for a large amount of that time with children with deaf blindness, children with multiple disability. And um, I've traveled overseas and taught um, people, adults who were blind English, which was rather interesting. So yes, so, and then I eventually made my way to NextSense. And we are so much the better for having you with us. What made you want to be a specialist vision teacher, Fran? Well, for, for quite a few years, since 1995, for 10 years, I worked at St Edmunds School in Warunga, which is a school for students with vision impairments and other disabilities. And I have to say that it was the most extremely rewarding experience. I, I just loved working with the children um, and the staff and seeing what they did. Um, and it really was, a, I felt it was a meaningful contribution to work in the area of sensory impairment. Because as you know, Trudy, it's a low incidence disability and a lot of people, class teachers, don't know what to do with these children. So you can really make a difference to the quality of life of the child and their family. And you can help the teachers to, to you know, offer better quality um, instruction for the kids but one and also during that time while I was at St Edmunds I traveled to Timor just after independence in 2002 and and then to Papua New Guinea the year after and those two experiences really made me realize that the knowledge and skills that I had in the field of blindness and low vision could make enormous difference to children in low and middle income countries so those two things combined really sparked my passion Absolutely. Tell me about your beliefs around formal qualifications, Fran. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to be a master of your craft. Um, if you're going to become a specialist vision teacher, you really need to have the knowledge, skills and attitudes to impart what you know. We want professionals in the field to be the best they can be, not mediocre. And so you really need to complete further study to develop your knowledge of braille, curriculum adjustments, spanical curriculum and mobility, etc. Um, so as you know, the Macquarie University Next Sense Institute Masters is the only one we have in Australia. So um, I don't wish to particularly plug Next Sense, but my goodness, that Masters is precious because if we we really need people to be highly qualified and uh, good professionals working with kids and families. Um, and while I'm talking about it, you know, if you want to go into the field of research and publications, become a leader in the field of blindness and low vision, um, you really need to think about postgraduate doctoral studies. You know, it, it really is, opens the doors and it gives you the credibility to 
to be a leader. So, you know, for many of our graduates, they want, they're happy to stay in this classroom and to continue till they retire as specialist vision teachers. But some of them need to step up, you know, people like me retiring. <laughs> we want highly qualified, knowledgeable people in those leadership roles. So I'm, I'd like to suggest both the masters and considering doctoral studies. Absolutely. And I think leadership's a really nice place because I really wanted to talk to you about your global involvement. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you do for ICEVI? Yes. Well, I'll, I'll just come back to Timor. You know, I went in 2002 after they um, voted for independence and the country was basically burnt to the ground. It was a ground zero with um, very scary people you know, creating fires and schools were destroyed, all the records were destroyed. And I came to see that children with disabilities were basically not included in education, even before independence. And then again, going to Papua New Guinea in 2003, you know, I traveled up to Goroka in the Eastern Highland, Highlands to, to do a review of um, their Mount Zion School for the Blind. And as I get out of the plane, there's this cluster of about 40 people standing at the wire fence covered in mud sh shrieking in this ghostly ghostly sound and it was like oh my god what a, where have I stepped into when you think how close Papua New Guinea is to Australia and there was a a dead person on the plane apparently and they were scaring off the evil spirits but I was hooked you know, you, when you go out and you really see what life is like for children and adults with disabilities and the fact that you as one person can contribute and change the trajectory of those lives, it, it's something that, you know, when you're here on the planet for such a short time, you really get hooked on giving that contribution. So I think that's, so with ICBI, I started in 2006 as the Pacific president and um, at that during that year they launched a global campaign which was called education for all children with vision impairment so I kind of stepped in thinking what what is this global campaign and that took me into the Pacific and um, I met wonderful people in Fiji which was our focus country and traveled broadly across the Pacific and then in 2016, I became the global president. And this has been a, oh, a learning curve. This is my second four-year term at the moment. And now, you know, a lot of it is, well, pre-COVID, there was a lot of travel, working with UN agencies, the global disability community, and getting to know the seven global regions of ICBI. You know, each one is unique. Latin America is nothing like West Asia, which is nothing like the Pacific. Yeah. And so... I have absolutely enjoyed um, being there and doing, you know, talking with people. So now I, I Zoom every week, at least once a week, um, with someone across the world. And now at the moment, of course, we're, we're looking at the, you know, the uncertainty of the war in Europe and Russia and Ukraine. And that's been a huge um, responsibility. Absolutely. And I think when you talk about contribution, Fran, yours is considerable. And I, I wonder when you think about this work, is that why you decided to go towards an academic role? Like you, I know your PhD topic was related to this kind of work. Can you tell us about that decision and what brought you into that particular way of contributing? 
Yes, it's interesting to think about that because I'm basically a teacher. I'm a practitioner. I love to get my hands dirty. So I don't know that I'm actually a very good academic. You know, it's not <laughs> something <laughs> I'm not good at the paperwork. Um, but I absolutely enjoy um, working with our students. You know, this is the Macquarie Uni Nexen students. Um, they are inspiring and I really think uh, looking at the long view we it's it's academia offers that opportunity to, to undertake the research and professional development but I have to acknowledge Mike Steer Dr Mike Steer who was at, at Next Sense which was then Rennick um, and he he inspired me he was my role model and mentor and kind of coaxed me into academia where I think I probably would have never gone there I would have never thought to leave the teaching profession so um, often academia you need someone to be a role model and you think yes this is possibly for me this life yeah I, I, I agree completely and you are very much a you're a much loved and well-regarded academic now Fran and what do you personally love or enjoy most about the role I think it's the, it's our students and you know I really miss young children in my life you know the students the young ones with vision <laughs> impairment but our students boy oh boy they are something and so I would love to teach face to face you know in person but you know a lot of it's online now but you know they they teach me and they're so inspiring and they go on they graduate from the the Macquarie in Excellence Master's degree, and they become leaders, they become assistant principals. And, and I just, that's to me is the most important. It's the human element. It's really is just wonderful. Absolutely. And so there will be some people listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, she's telling a good tale and she's certainly making this interesting for me. If there's anyone wondering, what advice would you give them if they're considering training to become a vision teacher? It's a good question, Trudy. I, I think they should become familiar with the field because it's such a low incidence disability. You know, you may not ever meet and, and you're a class teacher, you may not ever teach a child who's blind or has low vision or deaf blindness. So I would recommend they spend time with children and families. Um, they spend time with specialist vision teachers, maybe do a bit of volunteering as a, an, on the vision team in their local area. Um, also consider if itinerant teaching is right for you, you know, right, because it's not like a class teacher where you're in the same school every day in the same tea room and everyone knows who you are, you know, the, the life of an itinerant is uh, you can come into schools and they don't know who you are, especially secondary schools. Also, I suggest you investigate scholarship opportunities because, you know, Next Sense and Macquarie certainly have opportunities and Victoria and New South Wales, there are lots of scholarships yeah, available. Yeah, check out your education systems, agreed. Yeah, but, you know, it's a wonderful vocation. Um, and you can, and as I mentioned before, you can change the lives of children. You can increase their opportunities to have meaningful lives and meet their, their, their goals and their aspirations. And like me, you might venture off on that holiday to some Pacific island country or, or beyond that and you find that little child who's blind sitting outside of the school and you may say, you know what, I think I'll, I'll do something and I have, you have the skills. It's better than traveling as a hairdresser, you know, <laughs> to go and offer to work and teach Braille and teach O&M and, and adjustments. What a wonderful way to travel and to experience the world. 
Absolutely. And I refer people back to a podcast that Fran was previously part of where we talked about UEB online. So there's a whole other element to your contribution, Fran. But someone once said to me that I can influence the lives of 30 children or I can influence the lives of hundred, you know, 3,000 children by working with the teachers. And mm. when we think about your influence globally, Fran, it's just been considerable. And I want to thank you for your contribution to the field and your and your enthusiasm and your passion is still there. And so you cannot retire for a long time because <laughs> that is so important as well. But so thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. We really appreciate it and you and your contribution. Thank you, Trudy. It's been a great pleasure to have this conversation. <laughs>